promises, words start meaning anything. Then there are no more answers, only better and better lies, and lies won't help us in this fight. That is indeed a problem. The more immediate problem is that we're fucked. Whoa, Game of Thrones getting political? 2017 was a weird year, and we're here to talk about it on what used to be called Top 10 Thursdays. Now we just call it our Mildly Please Top 10 TV Shows of 2017 podcast. The important thing you need to know is the opinions are those of Sean Lemmy, John Otney, and Colin Westman. And so it's not, it's not definitive, like, these are the best shows of 2017. There's so many good shows now, nobody has time to watch them all. These are our favorites, smashed together to try to come up with some sort of, like, here's what the blog's taste was for 2017. That's it, it's just taste. Do you guys have any regrets as far as TV shows you wish you had seen from this year? Oh, that's a good question, because, yeah, I'm, I miss so many. I, I think my biggest regret is not getting into American Gods, because I feel like that was a really ambitious show, but it's on Stars Network, and it's really weird. I mean, it's got Crispin Glover in a major capacity, so I feel like that says it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like there were a ton of shows that, like, I just, I didn't try. <laughs> I mean, uh, the one that comes to mind immediately is Halt and Catch Fire, like, ended, and everyone said that mm-hmm. final season was amazing. Um, I think The Leftovers is another show where like both of those seem boring or dark or whatever and I just wasn't into it at the beginning and I wish I'd put the time in just so I could talk about it like everyone else, all the cool kids. Yeah, I think for me the big one was I wish I had finally like got into Twin Peaks so I could watch that oh, new yeah, season yeah. that everyone was talking about because I feel like it even ended up on sight and sounds top 10 movies of the year even though it wasn't really a movie but i think maybe david lynch said he like conceived it as an 18 hour movie and like at the end of december i tried watching the first few episodes of twin peaks i feel like with that show i would always just watch the first two and i couldn't quite get to do it and then i watched three and four like later this year and i was like oh i think i'm finally into this show (laughs) but i also realized there's no way i'm gonna catch up because season two of that show is pretty long (laughs) yeah it was on like network tv right so it has like a 20 episodes like the first season's only like 10 episodes but the second season's like 20 i was like no i can't do this and then watch an additional 10 or whatever from the new season but i wish i had because david lynch hasn't directed a movie in like 10 years oh well do uh either of you guys regret not getting into what is i guess like most objectively the best show of the year big little lies the one that wins all know. the awards i don't know if that makes it objectively the best show of the year well, just won think, a lot of awards. yeah well i don't i don't think there is objectively a best i show think of there's the another show on here that people may consider the best show of the year so i'll bring that up when it comes out <laughs> but as for big little lies um i guess i guess i, I read it and it's weird because i feel like watching it now is like it's not relevant it's like i should have watched it before all the awards i don't know why that i have that mindset now that mm. it's won all its awards it's done it's moving on you'll never get to vote for it <laughs> <laughs> i'll never get to put it on a list unless i don't know how that show works if it's like a, it was just a standalone or i don't know i believe it was because it, it won in all the you know, like mini series yeah. or TV movie categories. Right. 
I think the important thing is that we've already gotten a great start to 2018. We've watched our, the two best new shows, 911 and The Four. <laughs> Sean, does the 911 look like the promising new show that we've all been waiting for? Uh, unfortunately, no. I mean, I think we anyone who watched like football or anything on TV that you were forced to sit through commercials <laughs> saw a lot of advertising for 911, <laughs> which makes sense. It's like. It's a new Ryan Murphy show. That guy's a big deal in the realm of TV. Um, but it is very much a like Fox procedural, like lighthearted drama, which is bizarre because like they're like people died in the episode we watched, <laughs> but it was uh, it was also very like neatly wrapped up by the end of the episode, except for the little cliffhanger they threw in to get you to come back next week. I also don't think we watched the pilot. I believe we watched the second one. <laughs> We also saw, I believe, with the second episode of The Four, and I don't want to go into these, but like something I was just thinking about earlier, I guess like 10 minutes ago, um, and we don't have to spend much time on this, is do you guys think reality shows are as culturally relevant today as they were maybe in the mid-2000s? No, I think that's that's what's so great about now is people are all about <laughs> serialized dramas, which is awesome. It's weird because I feel like those shows probably do pretty good in ratings, but I feel like the diehard fans is probably a, a pretty small group. When you consider like a big show, probably everyone that watches, like Stranger Things, everybody that watches Stranger Things is a huge Stranger Things fan. There's not as many casual viewers because you have to make that decision to put it on. Whereas The Four is probably just like, oh, guess I'm watching this singing show. Okay, this is what we're doing. <laughs> and speaking of regrets, Stranger Things and yeah. Curb Enthusiasm oh, are both on my list. <laughs> well, next time. <laughs> Uh, my problem with the four is it was way too confusing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's only like the second episode. We, we, we feel like we've already like just have no idea. It's, we're lost. But ready. we'll see. We'll see if it makes our, our list uh, next year. Still got mm-hmm. a, a shot. Um, so speaking of lists, we got a lot. Of, we got like twenty shows to talk about. Um, so just to remind people, our formula here is we take. All the shows that made our individual top tens, which you can read over on our blog, mildlyplease.com, um, put all the shows in one list. We'll eliminate the ones that obviously aren't going to make our overall top ten, and hopefully that'll get us down to ten. And then we'll put them in an order, and then, and then that'll be the blog's sort of representative top ten of the year. Um, and so the first one was one that was on, I think, only my list this year, um, The Americans. It was close for me. It was an honorable mention. But didn't quite make it which I, that, uh, that tracks because I feel like th- this is one of the few shows that you and I watched together and I feel like I kind of had to drag you into <laughs> the Americans more this year <laughs> I really liked it last season because things were actually paying off but then they kind of went back to their old sort of slow burning ways of just kind of setting things in motion but not really being in that much of a hurry doing it which is okay i mean they're leading up to what will be their final season and i i'm sure things will happen (laughs) but a lot of the time it didn't feel like that many things happened this season i don't know it's always a a cool show to watch (laughs) well i think at this point like the main characters have proven themselves they're so good at spy craft it it would be kind of unfair to make it about like are they going to get away are they going to be able to break into this agricultural building and (laughs) steal the data they need like this is it's in like there aren't a ton of spy shows that aren't about just the plot 
and th- that's kind of what's cool about the Americans is that they're so invested in the characters' emotional arcs mm-hmm. that they are willing to dedicate the penultimate season purely to like <laughs> explaining every character's headspace. Um, and it's just it's so well acted too. I mean, you can only get away with that with a really great cast, um, yeah. which is what the Americans has. Did I hear that the show's ending? Is that what you guys said? Yes, yeah. this next season will be its last season. Does it feel like right the good place to end it, or does it feel like it should go longer, or does it feel like it's gone on too long? No, it feels it feels great because a lot of it is um, the tension between the two main characters, uh, one of whom uh, is like clearly at. I'm keeping it ambiguous about which is which. It's clearly at their wit's end with like their mission, and just wants to take care of their family and get out of all this bullshit. Um, and the other one is much more of a true believer, and they like can't even imagine stopping their mission or retiring from what they do. I think I saw that they're doing a jump forward. You know, oh, sweet! Maybe multiple years, which would, would be interesting yeah. and make more sense because you know towards the end of the 80s is when the soviet union started to collapse and most of the shows that been set in the uh, early 80s mm-hmm. and yeah i wasn't sure when the show started if they were gonna start moving it year by year but they kind of did it's kind of felt like it's been stuck in the same like two or three years for most of its run which it's those are some very eventful two or three years. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, but before we move on, I got to bring up our big debate from the finale. I don't even know if you remember this, Colin. Maybe you've Probably totally don't. changed your opinion. It's a while ago. The last episode of this season is called The Soviet Division. Mm-hmm. And it's named that because they find out one of the characters that they've been spying on, they've developed a relationship with, is getting promoted to the head of the CIA, I think, maybe the FBI's um, Soviet Division. And I insisted it's a very clever double entendre because they work for the Soviet Union, but they're divided on their stance, so it's the Soviet division. And you were like, that's stupid. It's just called that because he works for the Soviet division. Hmm. I feel like they're both right. (laughs) (laughs) Listening to that now, I don't remember having that conversation. Uh, But... Honestly, you said more right than I do in that situation. So perhaps I have changed I, uh, my mind. Uh, maybe, maybe I have the upper hand because I remember this and you don't. Yeah. <laughs> this is a subjective memory. Um, I don't know. You ever think you'll give the Americans a shot, John? Probably. I think so. That's cool. Is it on Amazon Prime as of the time of this podcast? I think it might be. I bet it's on something. Yeah. I feel like that's that, what happened. That's with... definitely a good reason to check it out with like justified right didn't justified pop up on amazon prime right before its final season (laughs) i think so yeah it's a good move hoping for that breaking bad effect speaking of that um another show that's on my list and colin's list was uh, better call saul which had another super strong season of not a lot happening it was great um at this point, the show is just it's two shows in one. One is Mike Erlen, Erlen, Trout's. Erlen Trout. <laughs> um, like dealings with um, the drug cartels um, in Albuquerque in Mexico, mm-hmm. and the other one is Slipping Jimmy's uh, sort of fall from grace in um, the Albuquerque uh, legal system. 
and like both stories are super compelling because they're both characters that are like really willing to put their time into their work and they like super care about it but also they're they do super shitty work yeah. <laughs> it's like it seems like they should be putting their efforts into something more constructive but it's just it's just the hand life deals you sometimes i guess yeah and, and this was like really the breaking bad season for both of them and yeah. that mike like really commits to his sort of war against the cartels and um or at least he picks a side in it i should say um and jimmy kind of realizes he's been pushed to the very limits of what he could do as like a lawyer that plays by the law and so he kind of course corrects there um but it's I don't know. It's such a meticulously shot and edited show. It makes it very pleasant for me to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, that drama's good, too. Yeah, I mean, all the stuff between him and Michael McKean was great. Yeah. I mean, I, I almost feel like the show kind of peaked in the middle, like around season five, where they have that big like case between the two of them and Jimmy totally gets him yeah it's crazy <laughs> um one thing i'm starting to wonder is like could you recommend this show to someone who hasn't seen breaking bad because i mean this this season especially felt like it had a lot of connections to it where you are kind of seeing the pieces being put together i mean i i don't see why not it's yeah. like i don't it's not like obviously the big thing was Gus Fring is in this season. Uh, and Huel shows up. <laughs> that was huge. Nice. <laughs> Where are we in the Breaking Bad timeline? Any idea? If you had to it's an excellent guess. question. I'm not sure if we have a year for either of these. Even I feel like it's the early 2000s. It, it okay. definitely feels that way. <laughs> so it could still be like a whole like eight years away. Yeah. Is you he know. going by Saul now? Nope. Sort of. Sort of. Because I thought I saw that in an episode, but maybe. Yeah, well, because he starts shooting some commercials under the pseudonym Saul Goodman. That's what I saw. <laughs> so he's, he's using Saul Goodman, but he hasn't made it his yeah. official identity. We have the origin story yeah. of that name, <laughs> which is literally he just like, get it? It's like Saul Goodman. <laughs> I mean, that was in the first season. Yeah. There you go. I don't remember anymore. <laughs> Yeah, Better Call Saul is good. Uh, super late edition. This, this new season came out December 28th, something like that. The very end of the year, uh, we have Black Mirror on our list. I don't think this new season really rattled any cages or made like as big as a splash as it may have last year with like San Junipero or Shut Up and Dance was probably like the scariest episode from last season. But a lot of people really liked USS Callister uh this season i enjoyed that too the show is definitely looking pretty expensive now which i don't know if it hurts or helps the show but it's interesting it's cool to look at and uh i like that one quite a bit i think the only problem with black mirror is they've been relying a lot on simulated doubles or however you want to call that digital copies of Mm -hmm. people as a plot device um which would be which i wouldn't have a problem with if there if there wasn't for the fact that there's only like seven eight episodes a season but still, I have, a, I have a really good time watching such a high-concept show. 
Um, one episode I really liked this year was Metalhead, which is funny because I feel like most people say it's the worst episode of Black Mirror. <laughs> Maybe the worst episode they've ever done because it's not um, an episode that really confines to the regular format of the high concept idea twist. It's really just a like it's, I don't even know if it's forty minutes long. I think it's like thirty four minutes. Thriller, like robot pursuing a woman. And there's not much to it, but it's just so well directed. David Slade came in to direct that one. But I like the fact that Black Mirror is kind of taking on the form where it's like, you know, maybe the show can be just be anything, you know. So that's that's cool. I definitely feel like Netflix has given Charlie Brooker and everyone who works on the show a lot of freedom. So hopefully they continue on with that and they'll keep doing entertaining episodes. What what do you think the people that are upset want out of Black Mirror? Like, do they want an episode where like like Donald Trump like tweets a dick pic or something. <laughs> I think so actually. And it blows up the world. <laughs> there you, you got an episode. That sounds pretty good to me. Don Hall Gleason can be uh <laughs> Donald Trump. Um it's yeah, I young. think I think people would like it to be th- as like You think he like accidentally texts a dick pic to Kim Jong Un <laughs> and he's so offended by it that he launches nukes. No, and then Kim Jong Un responds with a dick pic, but it's like, is that really his dick? Does he really have a dick that big? And so they like keep just like texting each other back and forth, just like closer and closer up on their dicks to make them look bigger. And then it's 2020, and like the guy with the biggest dick in the United States is running for president because that's the only thing that matters anymore. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds like people it would be eat, a black People would eat that up. Social media would love that. <laughs> yeah, I think no, I think people do want it to more closely parallel what's going on, especially because we live in such a crazy time right now. But, you know, I don't I think, you know, you don't want the show to come too like obvious or clunky. Um I think one episode that I, I feel like I don't know if it was intentional or not kind of kind of addressed uh things was uh USS Callister. I feel like it, it, it did a good job of exploring like that idea of like male dominance over everyone. You know, like uh what's his name? I always people always call him Meth Damon. What's the actor's name? Jesse Plemons. Yeah. He did a great job of being like this obsessed male who just this controls everyone's his world, has everything, you know, to his own devices. Um so I don't know. I don't like I don't know if that was a knock at anything going on but it felt like it could be applicable so i thought the uss callister episode missed some opportunities probably i mean first of all it's not really about star trek at all it's just sort of set in a star trekky setting mm-hmm. um but also i'm i was surprised maybe it's just because another black mirror episode has dealt with it i don't know i haven't seen a ton of the show but it seemed like like the Jesse Plemons character should have had a chance to make a case where he's like, these are just digital copies of people. I can treat them however I want. They don't matter. They're not real. Yeah. And they didn't delve into that at all. They just Im- immediately took the perspective of he's a villain and he must be stopped, which was like entertaining as an audience member. But I feel like Black Mirror in several episodes like this has kind of missed an opportunity to like really say something about technology and instead gone for a more campy and fun story yeah that episode may have been a little too ambitious for its own good which i think may have hurt it a little bit in the writing department but i don't know i'd say as a whole i thought the season ranked pretty well with previous seasons and episodes um that there's that uh that archangel episode i thought was pretty terrifying there's plenty of episodes I feel like fit pretty well within the realm of the show, so it doesn't feel like it's 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 uh, diverted too much from what it was. Mm. I'm still having a good time, and I hope they keep doing it. 
Yeah, I think another show that's actually diverted a lot from what it it originally <laughs> seemed like is BoJack Horseman. <laughs> yep, definitely. And I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if it'll be swinging back. It. it feels like a baby kid i don't know if i want it to keep being like this much about bojack's depression like this is like i could take it this season like i thought and i thought like the fact that a lot of the episodes had kind of a playful format even though <laughs> some of them weren't used in very playful ways mm-hmm. like the way they keep sort of digging deeper into bojack's sort of family past i thought was really interesting um and it ends on a on an optimistic note, and so I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I I enjoyed it this season, but I, I I get where you're coming from, where I do kind of fear it, it it might lose some of the comedy. And there were still plenty of funny moments, like like the first episode where Mr. Peanut Butter's running for mayor of California. <laughs> How quickly that escalates in that first episode of like, it goes from like a joke to he has to like legit do a ski race down a mountain against the sitting governor is <laughs> so great yeah. uh, and mr peanut butter is like a total representative of how much the show's matured because like he's just a one-off joke of this like the douchey successful guy who doesn't even who's so nice he doesn't realize how much of an asshole he is <laughs> but he's he's developed so much and and like his and diane's relationship you know sort of hits maybe it's last bump in the road um this season and that's like really compelling and sophisticated storytelling um i got a question for you guys yeah as someone who doesn't watch bojack horseman but constantly hears about how depressing it is is it really that depressing or does it just seem more depressing because it's such a departure for most animated sitcoms you know it's not usually a genre that you consider to be depressing so does that, that make it that might more add jarring? to it i mean i definitely laugh a lot more than any other show that i would describe as depressing like maybe there is that shock of of not having really any cartoon out there be like this tonally yeah but i don't think there's any other show that so frankly deals with the impossibility of like overcoming (laughs) mental health issues like you just have to live with it seems to be the lesson at least so far mm-hmm. um but it's on the downslope, maybe maybe mm-hmm. i mean hard to say season two also ended kind of hopefully and then it, it, season three took a dark path from that so yeah, season three had ups and downs there's that whole underwater episode that was yeah that was downright charming yeah but i mean that episode was also about him desperately trying to apologize to someone and them not hearing him do it. Yeah. Um, it's really good, though. Yeah. And uh, I would recommend it to anyone at all. Just people. <laughs> Just to the people. Uh, another show that's on my list and sort of deals with mental health issues is Catastrophe. Um, so this show, over each of its seasons, has like done a big time skip so like season one ends with like a baby being born and season two starts with that baby is a toddler you know um and um and so by season three our main characters are kind of settled down into their lives um and not adjusting to like 
having a couple kids and a white picket fence and a house and um because people have drinking problems and personality problems and um another relationship falls apart there's a lot going on in catastrophe that's like super like real and intense and frank in a way that like family comedies aren't (laughs) um but like bojack horseman it's also peppered with like a lot of humor um and it never feels like a sitcom you know like when the characters make mean jokes at each other they don't they're not like oh my god how could you say that to me like like what would happen on like everybody loves raymond um it's like they laugh too it's it's actions that tend to piss people off not words um which makes it nice and i just wish it wasn't a british show because it's hard to only get like four or five episodes every year really that's all there is (laughs) i think maybe six i think it's maybe a six episode season are there like two seasons? Three seasons. Three seasons. Let's push it. Are there gaps because show. it takes time for the seasons to come out? Or is, are those written into the narrative that there's time jumps? Yeah, this is how it's written into the narrative. I think it's been every year since 2015. Okay. Um, it is a British show, so that's just what they do, I guess. Um, it's also like they, they air it like one episode a week on like channel four or whatever stupid British channel. <laughs> and then it just all comes out on Amazon when the season's over, mm. over here. Um, and they also had Carrie Fisher as a recurring guest star, oh. which was, she was great. And it's really sad because literally in the episode, the season finale this year, her, which is by default, Carrie Fisher's last episode of the show. Um, and by the way, she was, flying back from the UK having filmed the show when she died um, they have another character's parent die so you just I feel like on top of all the bad things that are happening you know when the next season starts there's going to be even more drama for these characters mm-hmm. um, but unlike Bojack Horseman don't worry about it being depressing it's a very funny show like difficult people? Oh yeah. No, I feel like <laughs> this is one of the rare comedies that like is just content to be a really funny show. Like maybe these characters do have mental issues that they should be dealing with, but they don't care. They're content to just like be catty and make fun of everyone at their own amusement. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, that just felt very appropriate this year to have a comedy with like some teeth and that's kind of about people living in the liberal bubble that is New York City because this show has a very <laughs> diverse cast and I don't know, it also just felt welcome because maybe Broad City didn't feel as good this season. And this yeah. is definitely a similar like New York show about two friends just doing their own thing and uh, it was it was really strong. Um, and that makes me sad that uh, it was its last season. It got cancelled because I guess shows can get cancelled on Hulu but it, it def- like the last episode of the this third season had a it had sort of a finale feeling because it was kind of an episode where everything kind of comes full circle. And so uh, yeah, it ended in a nice place. Is that the one where they all drink the ritualistic tea? Or is that before? I 
think it was. Yeah. So I've seen like yeah, three, you, epi- three yeah, four episodes, you, and one of them is the last yeah, one that ever sure was. I'm pretty sure you were there when yeah. I watched the last episode. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, I thought that show was so good every time I watched. And then when I ask Autumn, hey, do you want to watch it? He's like, but it, but it ended. Like so, <laughs> yeah. It's like people still watched Arrested Development after it got canceled. So I do plan on watching it because it was pretty good every time I, I turned tuned in. Yeah. Uh, how much of an ensemble show is it? Is it just focused on the two main characters, Billy Eichner and Julie Klausner? Julie... Hey, I was gonna get there, maybe. <laughs> and her mom. Yeah, there's a lot of Andrea Martin in it. Surprising because she's she's just Julie's mom, but she's always. But yeah. she's also great news, Mom, right? Yeah. So, you know. The important thing is this cast will have work. <laughs> Billy Iger's got like three shows. But I, I remember I saw the, the Jimmy Carter episode with you, which might have actually been the previous that was season. The second season, yeah. Um but then I saw like Gabri Sidabe was in the show. Well, yeah, there's like Billy's like cast of characters or I guess co-workers that are at the cafe he works at mm-hmm. and so yeah it is kind of an ensemble because they show up pretty much every episode but it's mostly about the two main main guys cool yeah I mainly just asked that question so that I would have a segue for Fargo the next show on our list which is always an ensemble show um mm-hmm. This year, the ensemble featured the same actor in dual roles in yeah. different parts of the ensemble. Uh, he won a Golden Globe for it. I don't know if he should have. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they could have gotten a better person for that part. Because he's friggin' Scottish or Irish. Ewan McGregor? <laughs> Nobody knows, apparently. Uh, I'm going to go with Scottish. I would go with Scottish, too. All right. Is every, I think everyone in Train's mind is Scottish. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. People from the UK can do American accents, but doing like a specific regional accent, like the Minnesota accent, I don't know. That seems too far to push <laughs> push an actor. <laughs> Was he? Did he just like? Was it not great as both characters, or like there's where was there one character that he was better at? Or well, I feel like he pretty much did the same accent okay. for both characters. That it wasn't great. Yeah, they're, they're brothers, so you know, it's they sound alike, they look alike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and one of them is like the brother from the wrongs that had the tracks, basically, and the <laughs> other one's the brother who was successful and happy, apparently. But then you find out he's not. I will say this: Martin Freeman did it pretty well. He's British. That's true. Good for him. <laughs> Two seasons ago. Um, but there are a lot of other like great aspects of the cast this year. I think David Thewlis is definitely the breakout because he wore a, a horrible prosthetic mouth, and it was the most revolting was thing so on television all year. Um, <laughs> but Mary Elizabeth Winstead was also really good this year um they made her short butt on tv which was a little unfair i thought but she got to kick a lot of ass as a result did we see ewan mcgregor's butt i don't remember seeing ewan mcgregor's butt okay i wasn't i wasn't keeping track at home but (laughs) seems it seems possible but you're probably right I think the um, the one plot that I just wasn't feeling this year, mm-hmm. uh, which kind of kept it off my top ten, was Carrie Coon's side of things. Hmm. Um, she was kind of like every every season has to have like the like young plucky like I'm a good cop in a bad precinct 
uh, officer, and that was her this year. Um, and they take it in a, like a very surreal direction, like much more surreal than the show has ever gone before. I mean, there's an episode that relies on a lot of animated segments, and then there's another episode <laughs> where they go into what seems to maybe be like limbo or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just that didn't work for me as well as everything else did. Had good music as always. Yeah, I liked that episode where they used uh, Peter and the Wolf. Yeah, that was very extensively clever. They also used that whatever that Italian gibberish song is. Oh, Breezing cold and instant Iusol. Yeah, who would have seen that coming? <laughs> um, also, the ending I I thought was actually really good. It had a very yeah. um, like sometimes evil just prevails ending mm-hmm. which worked for me in early 2017 and that's how <laughs> everything felt yep is fargo done for now for the time being no okay it's back it's supposed to be another season in 2019 i feel like noah hawley is moving on to some other things I mean, his time must already be split between that and legion to begin with yeah legion by the way also very good made my honorable mentions not my list i was just reading the other day that noah noah holly is going to write and direct a doctor doom movie sweet so are they going to kind of slowly try to ease the fantastic four back in they must that must be the plan but uh, it's interesting that they're focusing on doctor doom i'm so confused about how these things are going to work because <laughs> the deal's not actually like done right disney and fox aren't the same company it's yet, not right done, yeah. but they're they're like they will be so like how do you even put something like that into production don't know i'm not sure when it's going to start um but if anyone can say the fantastic four i like to think it's noah holly <laughs> david made. thulis mr fantastic <laughs> <laughs> Are they actually, all just going to be super old? You know, actually, wouldn't it make a lot of sense if he used Dan Stevens? Yeah. yeah. That'd be a good, uh, good cast. He could be a human torch. Just because he's blonde? Who cares? And David Thewlis. <laughs> David Fantastic. <laughs> Oliver Platt as the thing. <laughs> he's only comfortable with people he's already worked yeah, with. Yeah, that's what we're assuming right here. He doesn't want any Mary strangers. Elizabeth Winstead is just a woman. There you go. <laughs> Martin Freeman is Silver Surfer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, we're we're on the the FX strain of things, but not talking about the strain. Uh, <laughs> Feud Betty and Joan was a really good show, and uh, weird that my number one show of the year ended up being a Brian Murphy standalone series, but. Uh, I mean, this was one that I was interested in just because I like the classic era of Hollywood stuff. But um, I don't know. This is one where it started out and you thought, well, okay, it's a Ryan Murphy thing. It'll just be kind of campy and they'll just be, I don't know, having, having fights, being bitches on the set. And then it turned out to be something a lot deeper and about like the way that uh, women age in Hollywood and have to sort of make compromises and that uh, seemed uh, appropriate for this year when Hollywood was kind of reassessing the way it treats uh, their stars and uh, two actresses at the center of it are really good too uh, and so was Stanley Tucci as always Alfred Molina too also very good in this uh, yeah I liked it a lot 
do you think it would benefit me to watch the movie first or just go ahead and watch the show first hmm i haven't watched the movie yet <laughs> i remember i bought the oh, blu-ray so of uh whatever happened to baby jane like right after i watched the series but i still haven't watched it uh I don't think you have to watch the movie to appreciate it. I think like the relationships behind the camera are so compelling that I think it's fine if you're not familiar with it. I assume a lot of people who watch this show weren't that familiar with it because that movie is it's not that famous now, even though it seemed like it was a big hit at the time mm-hmm. and kind of revitalized both Betty Davis and Joan Crawford's careers. Don't but, forget Victor Buono. Who? <laughs> that guy in that movie? Okay. I just I know a guy you're talking about. I, I mostly know him from like stupid stuff like Night Gallery, yeah. but uh, I just he's one of those actors who is like he was playing these like big dudes who are like big characters, but he's like only like 23 years old, but they always seem like 40. Mm-hmm. I assume he's got to be a character. Yeah, he is. No, they give him a decent amount of <laughs> time to his nice. arc, sort of. No, yeah, he's, he's a fun character. Isn't it crazy that we get like a, a Ryan Murphy show every year, like a new show every year, basically? Yeah. In in addition to American Horror yeah, Story, yeah, I don't. And he still writes and directs on that show, hmm. and he's still writing. He, it's not like he like just creates these shows and then leaves them. He still writes and directs episodes. Yeah. It's not like maybe this isn't fair. I was going to say like a lot of like Seth MacFarlane's animated shows. Like he only does the voice acting. He does nothing else. Mm-hmm. But then again, he like he has way too much going on. He does play all the characters, so I guess that's that, pretty. That's involved. quite a bit of work. <laughs> but yeah, is. I'm looking at Ryan. I mean, we, we, there's already been a new Ryan Murphy show, like January 5th or whatever, with this stupid. And, there, and there's the second season of American Crime Story coming out in like a week. And then we got a, a you know, crime stories every year from here on mm-hmm. out. Who knows um, when they'll do another feud? I see that Ryan Murphy. I don't know if he's. Like, considered creator but he's working on a, a tv show for netflix based on one floor of the cuckoo's nest hmm. called ratchet like nurse ratchet i guess but it's just about her i don't know <laughs> Is this not, I'm, i feel like i'm looking up another show that's created by ryan murphy coming out this summer called pose set in the world of 1986 and looks at the juxtaposition of several segments of life and society in New York, the rise of the luxury Trump-era universe, the downtown social and literary scene, and the ball culture world. Wow. Keep him busy. That's too much. <laughs> When's he going to have time to take a break? Go to, like, a cool resort somewhere, you know, a real good place. I figured you're doing a transition. I want to see where you're going. Yeah, the good place. Um, it was always a very high concept show, and early on in the first season, I thought that that was just it was too much, and it was just going to get canceled. Um, and then at the end of the first season, they were kind of showed their hand uh, and changed everything, and it blew my mind i was so excited i want to tell everyone about it but i couldn't because then it spoils an entire season of tv um yeah you told me about it you're pretty vague (laughs) you're like the season one finale oh man holy shit colin (laughs) um and then they just came out swinging in season two it's been so good. good this year um and like 
there's a bunch of great comedies on TV now, and maybe this is the funniest one. Like, just if you're just if you're just watching for laughs, maybe this is the one to watch now. Maybe I know. Maybe there's, I don't know if it's know the funniest, a, but I mean, I love it just kind of for the reason you were saying is because it is so high concept, and I don't feel like a comedy like this has worked before, especially not on a, a network. And maybe it is just the thing where NBC is at the point where they're like, well, maybe we should give our comedies a little more chance to grow. And the good place is just kind of lucky <laughs> that yeah. they're coming uh, at this time. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's really funny, but also just, uh, you know, a, a movie about <laughs> goodness and what it means to be a good human being. And, and doing it in a really light and funny but really thoughtful way it's uh yeah i really like it i'd say there's one other show that i would compare it to and that's also a very recent show the last man on earth which had a kind of a very similar like this is a plot that works as a movie how the fuck are you gonna make this work as a weekly comedy (laughs) tv show um and the answer was like it couldn't really sustain it. That was I kind of lost interest in the Last Man on Earth. Yeah. But the Good Place just keeps kicking it up, and you know it's only we're right now we're getting towards the end of the second season as we're recording this, so maybe it will all go off the rails at some point. But yeah, it is weird that I couldn't get into the Last Man on Earth because I didn't really like Will Forte's character because he wasn't very likable. So he much just being a creep, but like. It's not like uh, Kristen Bell's character is like a good person either. That's the whole conceit of the show. And just coincidentally, like the whole of the second season of Last Man on Earth is like, I learned my lesson. I'm a good person now. Yeah. And it's it's actually really funny because he like overcorrects so much into much more of a Will Forte character um, <laughs> that kind of made that work for me. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should go back to that show. I don't think so though. It's your choice. You can never go back, except with like how society treats women. Eh? Handmaid's Tale? (laughs) I don't know if it'll ever go back on this show. Um, This is one. uh, It took me a while to watch it. I think I actually watched the first couple episodes when they aired back in like February or March. And. I think it was that thing of we were transitioning into this new administration and this new hellscape of a world we live in, and I was watching this show, and everybody was saying, oh, man, this is so timely, even though, you know, it was shot probably months and months before the election. But uh, It's based on a book from, like, the 60s? The 80s. 80s? Like, yeah. It's not that old. No, but... Um, I watched those first few episodes, and I was like, this is good, but this is, like, too much for me to take right now. <laughs> I just can't. And so I returned to it, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's really good and, and heavy, and uh, a show that it's hard not to be affected by, and uh, Elizabeth Moss is just uh, amazing. It's just a completely fearless performance. She deserves all the awards she's getting. And... Uh, I mean, this show isn't perfect. Like, I think it kind of suffers from the fact that it's based on a book, but they're planning on expanding it into an actual multi-season series. So sometimes they kind of stray away from the main plot, and sometimes like eh, I didn't need, 
I didn't need to see this backstory on this kind of secondary character. Hey, welcome to watching Game of Thrones, Colin. Yeah, well, at least those have like a book for every season, or at least they did in the beginning. <laughs> but with this, it's just one book. And like, I get it. It, it is a, an interesting world, I guess, to explore, I suppose. But uh, I don't know. I wonder if it would have been better if it just had done a one standalone season, like good little lies apparently but um i mean yeah as heavy and and tough as this show is on its characters it it had a very optimistic ending which i I think will keep me watching in into the second season can i just ask you some very high level questions sure is this set in a future or is it just like an alternate world i don't think they ever really answer it it doesn't feel like the future it feels like it's yeah, either an alternate world or maybe a few years from now. Okay. So is there do they have like smartphones or like laser guns? They don't have laser Hover guns. Cars. They don't have, they just have like regular cars like the kind we have. Mm-hmm. There probably are smartphones. It's the thing is like the society they've set out for themselves is a lot more primitive and like a it's almost like a, a religious compound that they're all living on where everyone's dressed very sort of archaically like the amish basically <laughs> and, but i feel like in the flashbacks where we see elizabeth moss before she's taken away she's probably using smartphones because that feels like modern day to me those flashbacks i'm gonna say it's set like a, a couple years in the future Okay. But they're never like, you know, specific about it really. We need an Amish show. Wait, was that what Banshee was? What's Banshee? You guys remember you, Stars Network? <laughs> Good question. What is Banshee? <laughs> what is Banshee? <laughs> well next year finally be the year that we explore Stars Network. <laughs> <laughs> mm, maybe. Outlook maybe. not good. I, I mean it's so it's not like of our list we have like twenty four shows and like all of them are coming back. Uh, like Sean, two of them ended. Sean, John Wick TV show. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> they know that they there's viewers they're not getting. They're coming after you. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just worried that it doesn't fit in the John Wick continuity. Because what you've said about it doesn't make sense to me, given the way John Wick Chapter 2 ends. But no spoilers. We're not going to spoil the delicate plot of John Wick Chapter 2 on no, this. Can't. Our end of the year podcast taking place like nine months after John Wick Chapter 2 came out. <laughs> uh, instead, we're going to keep our focus on the women and talk about the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Winner of Best Comedy and Comedian Actress at the Golden Globes. Crazy, right? Does Amazon have some sort of deal? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I do think I, I don't know if I don't know if it if it deserved best comedy, but I definitely think it deserved best comedic actress. Rachel Brosnahan is so good. Um, just the fact that she has to do the dramatic stuff and the funny stuff, but also be like a convincing comedian on stage. Because that's like the best part of the show, is is her going up and at first she's just like you know, she um, her husband cheats on her and her marriage is falling apart and her life's falling apart, so it's a kind of like a drunken rambling at a club that people are into and so she starts trying to do these off-the-cuff performances but then as the show progresses she realizes you can't do that every night it's not always interesting so she has to go back and like maybe i should write some material maybe i should listen to other comedians so i think that's the best part of mrs Maisel is her developing like her 
comedic identity. Like, it's just a really good show about stand-up. I mean, the rest of the stuff about, oh, being a woman in the 50s and, like, oh, you should be a mom. You shouldn't, you know, have a career. Like, that stuff is interesting. It feels a little familiar and sometimes feels maybe a little heavy-handed. But uh, I think for the most part that stuff's okay. But it's the it's the stand-up stuff that really keeps me interested. It keeps me focused on the show. And I'm really curious to see where it's going to go. Like, has she become, like, a famous comedian? Is she going to go on the road? The show does have Lenny Bruce as a character <laughs> who she interacts with. Nice. Like, on several episodes. And he's pretty good, too. Um, Who's he played by? I, no one I know. No Is I know. anyone notable on this show? Are they uh, all Tony kind of Shalhoub. Unknowns? All right. Tony Shalhoub plays her dad. And he's, like... Uh, like a, he was like a math teacher, but then I think he got some job with some like I don't know some something really scientific <laughs> company, and cool. he's he's kind of a dick. Yeah. Her parents are both dicks, and uh, her um, ex husband is kind of a dick, but like he means well, but he's a dick. <laughs> and then Alex Borstein is kind of like kind of like her manager, and she's real butch and gruff, and she's pretty good, which is nice because she spent so many years just playing like a lame character on family guy it's nice to see that she's actually a really good like performer and she has a lot of range what was that alex borstein like nurses show oh yeah i don't remember that show it's one of those there's just too many shows yeah. i want to <laughs> say there's knows. been some good Can't some good remember. guest appearances on <laughs> mrs Maisel too uh wallace sean was on an episode as like a comedy writer who like gives her a bunch of jokes but then it turns out like he's like really bad but she doesn't find out until she's like on stage he's like it was great <laughs> uh, so yeah and I, I love the time period you know I, I don't know what it is about the, the 50s like late 50s early 60s but that's just like a, such an interesting time period for me for TV shows I feel like I give every show that's set in that time period a chance <laughs> like that weird show that I feel like I was the only person that watched I can't remember what it was that Jeffrey Dean Morgan show that was set in like Florida in the 50s where he like ran a hotel. Was it called Magic City? Yeah, Magic City. It was like, this is Mad Men meets Boardwalk Empire, but it's not that good. But I gave that a shot. Yeah. So I do think Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is worth checking out, but it's, it's probably not like the best comedy on on TV or streaming or whatever. Mm. But yeah, I think you would like it, Connor. I'm interested. <laughs> yeah, I think you'd, you'd very much enjoy it. Okay. Anything to justify that Amazon Prime subscription? Speaking of subscriptions, that was a bad segue. Netflix's original hit, Master of None. We talked about it a lot on our Best of the Year So Far podcast. Yeah. Um, I still feel very much the same. It's like a super auteurish show. We, we had like a bunch of those, and for some reason, like most of them weren't around in 2017. We didn't have Atlanta. Uh, for very good reasons, we don't have Louie anymore or uh, Lucy K making. TV shows like Horace mm-hmm. and Pete, um, but I feel like Master of None was even better in its second season than it was in its first, and like definitely one of my favorite shows of the year, no problem. Yeah, I like that early on it really embraced its cinematic influences. It, you know, it, just the first two episodes are like uh, throwbacks to old uh, Italian films, which mm-hmm. I really like, both black and white. Uh, but it doesn't. It didn't get. I, I was like, "Is this going to be the whole show now?" But it wasn't confined by that. It did all sorts of stuff. It did the episode, the Thanksgiving episode, mm-hmm. the lesbian character. Like that was great. I thought that was going to be like really depressing. But no. I mean, it was just. I mean, it was at parts, but it's just really interesting to see someone else's perspective. Or that New York episode that was different people living in New York. And the only thing that really ties it together is they're all going to go see that Nicolas Cage movie about like a, the. I can't remember what it's called. Something the the castle, the haunted castle. I can't remember. You know, it, it can be whatever it wants to be any given episode. So I think that's what kept keeps it so fresh. 
I think the only uh, criticism I've heard is the romantic plot um, between him and the Italian woman. I'm not sure specifically why. Maybe because it just doesn't feel as naturalistic or genuine as some of the other stuff. I don't know. You guys have any quarrels with that? I guess just those episodes where it focuses on the relationship aren't as adventurous, it feels like, structurally, mm-hmm. as the other ones. But it's it's fine because I, I like those characters. It's just... I don't know if they, they figured out something really creative to do with, with them. I feel like those episodes are also photographed insanely well. Like, I remember one time they go to, like, a park or yeah, something. Yeah, it's like an open, like, art exhibit. It's these huge, wide shots of this Ugh, huge structure. It's yeah. beautiful. They just, like, tuning in to watch a really good indie movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I hope that... I don't know. I haven't really been following like where Aziz Nzeri is right now. If he's going to do another season right away or if it's something he's going to take a break from. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if he's going to take a break from, he should just go straight into like directing movies. He's clearly got him and... Uh, I can't remember the other guy that works on the show. Alan Yang? Yeah. Want to say? He was a Parks and Rec, right? Yeah. Like, they, have, they clearly have like a great like cinematic eye on top of their sensibilities as as comedic writers so they should explore that they should take a they should go into big sick territory you know mm. well hopefully they'll hunt down some better project going forward but with uh, their minds <laughs> <laughs> i went there mind hunter <laughs> mind hunter is my show where i feel like it's probably the same with you guys at better call saul not that they're similar shows but it's like i think like it's hard to sell anyone on it it's like okay it's like it's kind of like FBI guys, and it's like in the '70s, and kind of like serial killers, but it's not like all the thousand other shows that have the same premise. I think what I like about Mindhunter is even though it uh, kind of hovers around like subject matter that has been done to death, it approaches it in a way more sophisticated way. Like this is a show about the the and it's in the early '70s, early years of investigating the minds of serial killers, but it's not like a show where guys like you know kick down doors with guns blazing trying to there's the serial killer go get him like the first two three episodes are literally just the two main characters holden and i can't remember the other guy's name the show doesn't star anyone famous either (laughs) Uh, his partner they uh they just like go around to police stations and like educate cops about serial killers see like they give like basically just presentations and drive around and just the stress it has on their lives and um, the main guy holden like delving deeper and deeper into the minds of serial killers and feel like it's kind of messing him up by like having this on his mind all the time. And there's like a show... Hannibal. What was that? Like Hannibal. Like Hannibal. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like Hannibal. And even even so much as like in the uh, like Silence of the Lambs, you have uh, them going and talking to killers. That's probably the best part of the show. Anytime they go and they sit down and they talk with uh, a serial killer, a couple times it's been like someone playing a real-life serial killer. Ed Kemper was the popular one. Uh, he's in a couple episodes, not the actual Ed Kemper. It's playing Ed Kemper, and yeah, I mean, it doesn't really, it doesn't usually build to anything big. There's not like some like arcing plot line that you're like waiting to get um, satisfied, you know, by the end of the season. But uh, it's just really interesting. It gets you interested in the process of that um, that job. Was it uh, was David Fincher involved in? This? Yeah, he's executive producer. And he directed four episodes. Mm. And the show very much looks like Zodiac. Sounds like Zodiac. That's what I would compare. If I had to compare it to one thing, I'd compare it to the movie Zodiac. It looks a lot like it. Like it's 70s and it has like a bit, it's grainy and wide. If there's any digital stuff, it's very subtle. Did he shoot it in the stupid House of Cards aspect ratio? 
I don't know. I didn't notice anything stupid about it. House of Cards, if you don't <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, what is that? House of Cards is shot... So, the standard widescreen is 16 by 9. For whatever reason, they shoot House of Cards in 16 by 8 or one, 2 by 1, which... It just looks weird. <laughs> oh, I guess I've never noticed. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, if you like David Fincher, check it out because David Fincher's next project still apparently is World War Z 2. Boo. <laughs> He's signed on as far as I know. I also hate this called World War Z 2. That looks so bad. <laughs> I know. Z and 2 Z are and very two similar next to symbols. each other. Yuck. Maybe he'll fix it because it's such a terrible... It's such a terrible thing to begin with, and uh, Dave Fincher is a perfectionist, and he's—I don't think he's ever made a bad movie. I mean, with the exception of probably Alien Three, which he had really no say over in any way. He's made okay movies. He's made okay for sure, like, <laughs> like Benjamin Button or like The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Funny that you mentioned Girl with the Dragon Tattoo because they're making a new one, and the guy who played the serial killer Ed Kemper is in the is in the new one. Also stars the. Uh, Claire Foy from The Crown. Another show. Gotta see. I like Downton Abbey. Why am I watching, not watching The Crown? Sean, why are you not watching The Crown? I don't know, but you said uh, maybe Fincher will fix the World War Z uh, situation. And uh, if he needs some help fixing things, I know there's one person he can turn to. And that's Nathan Fielder, who has made a profession out of helping people fix their struggling businesses. Uh, and he did that again this year on... What felt to me like the last season of Nathan for you, but then I, <laughs> but then I couldn't find like any reason to think that. It sounds yeah. like it's like he has no intention of stopping. It's hard to know how he can top himself when you end a season with basically a movie, yeah. <laughs> like uh, uh, this like really touching movie about just like human connections, and it's just so elaborate. Like it's just trying to solve this mystery. Um, but there's a lot of funny stuff too. Remember the uh, the band with the smoke alarm. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Or the wart massages, or the chili suit. <laughs> chili suit. Ugh. Yeah, that's what I love about this show is you can have the wacky little stunts, but then you can get the really serious stuff that really like is really like touching, and you can tell that it's even affecting him. Uh, you know, and because he, he does put on a little bit of a character, mm-hmm. yeah. but yeah, to the point where it's like this is affecting him. It makes it. Uh, I think that it makes it so great. It's funny how. Um, like early on like in the first season it was just like here's an outlandish idea let's execute it but by this latest season he's mastered the art of like I'm going to give you an idea that sounds reasonable but how we get from point A to point B is going to be the most bizarre and complicated route it could possibly be I don't know how they can afford this show it must be so expensive I think a great example of that is the uh, talk show appearance episode where he realizes every time he's ever on a talk show, he never has anything interesting to talk about. So he decides, like, oh, I'll tell a story. But for some reason, like, it has to actually happen. So he decides to get this ridiculous story where, he, like, he actually has to go to a wedding. He actually has to have this huge suit, get pulled over by a cop, everything. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you, come, how you do this show. <laughs> I think the shame of it is I'm not, not that, I don't know that many people that watch it. Yeah. Yet so much care is putting into it. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're lost. Yeah, it's just a, it's a great show. It blurs the lines like between reality programming and scripted comedy. And there's not a lot of shows like that, but one I can think of uh, is Nirvana the Band, the show, um, which I found out 
thanks to Nick Robinson on Twitter, who, very 2017, is a former gaming press guy who got exposed as abusing his powers to mm. manipulate and take sexual advantage yeah. of his fans and now has been fired from his website Polygon. But <laughs> there's one good thing to come out of that. <laughs> did turn me on to Nirvana the band the show, a comedian show that like Nathan for you, I don't know how it exists. It seems like the like copyright fees they would have to pay alone should make this show impossible. It was on um Viceland for its first season. It sounds like it's not even going to be on Viceland for its second season or something weird is going on. John, you know more about that. They, maybe. Didn't, they didn't pick it up. It has no American distributor still, and they're almost done with their second season. It's so weird. It is very weird. Um, um, yeah, I, I still haven't heard anyone talk about this show except you two guys, so <laughs> I don't know if that's that surprising that it's having a hard time getting Yeah, but do you hear about anything else on Viceland? Are people telling you about... Uh, What's the famous show? Like, Day Zeus? <laughs> it's like, it's two guys' names. There's a show with two guys' names that people talk about on Viceland. You don't even know what I'm talking about there, do you? <laughs> the, only, the only show I know of on Viceland is the show about, like, houses in different cities where a bunch of stand-up comedians live because one of my friends' house was in there where I actually stayed once, my friend Colin Holtz, and I watched that episode. He's in it like a little bit. But otherwise, I don't know. Dezus and Miro. That's a show? That's a show. People like it. It's like sort of like a talk show. It's on Viceland? But it's just them talking to the TV. All right. Colin, do you need to recap on what Nirvana the Band the show is? Either in I mean, I watched a couple episodes, and I didn't really know what it was about <laughs> conceptually, but I still found it pretty funny and entertaining regardless. Yeah, it's just two guys, Matt Johnson and Jay McCarroll, who claim to be a band, Nirvana the Band, mm-hmm. that are always trying to get a show at the Rivoli. And granted, I don't really know much about Toronto. I don't even think it's like one of the biggest. It's like it's just a regular club. It's it like if like someone it's a restaurant most of the time. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like if someone had needed to get a show like here at the Showbox or something. Like it's not like that amazing, but like they're a band. Even though we never really ever see them play. I mean, Jay is pretty good at piano, but like Matt, like we have no idea what he does. And even in the second season, there's that episode where the, he goes to the where Jay goes to the like musician party, and Matt doesn't even get to come. Yeah, but then he does pulls. He watches Mrs. Doubtfire and inspires him to pretend to be a manager for a band, which is amazing. I love that he's always crafting these characters. I, one of my favorite pranks they did is they went to the Rivalry restaurant, and um, he was going to try to order a bunch of food while Jay like had to like steal their phone because I think the thing was they wanted to call like a local paper from the Rivalry phone to say, "Oh, we have a show here," and they'd know that it's from it's the phone is from the actual venue. Yeah, and like. For some reason, Matt Johnson had to like wear a fat suit. <laughs> For no reason, he had to wear a fat suit. But if he's going to order everything at the restaurant, he better be, like look like he's morbidly obese. And then I love later is they go back to the apartment, and he's like, oh, I'm working on my new character. Oh, I'm the big fat pedophile. <laughs> it's like, wait, why is he a pedophile? It's like, it's a choice he made, you know? It's just, it's so off the cuff and so crazy. I think one of my favorite episodes, there's two episodes I really liked. One is the uh, the Sundance one. And what's interesting about that is you're like, how did these guys actually get to Sundance? Because they're there and they're filming at Sundance. And I think it's because Matt Johnson actually made a film that did go to Sundance. But then through the episode, he made it seem like it was a shitty film that they'd made that had been submitted. 
but it had the same name as actual movie. And it has just like the worst, like these CGI guns <laughs> and like in a gold eye sound effects, like N sixty four golden eye sound effects. And one of my favorite bits in that episode is they're always having like arguments with each other in public, where clearly the people around them don't know a sh- like it's a show. Mm-hmm. I just remember like he's like yelling at him, and then he totally like just like breaks concentration in the middle of it. And he's like, "Oh, let's just go back home." <laughs> I love that it's yeah it's just so like spontaneous. My other uh, I think great the other great episode of course is the Star Wars one where they go Oh my god. Force, go Awakens. Force Awakens premiere the midnight show. I saw that one. Yeah, and that is <laughs> blind from watching the original Star Wars movies too close to the TV. <laughs> he thinks he's dressed as Han Solo but he's got some ridiculous outfit on. They go to the theater and Jay like starts reading like the text that really loud and then describing the movie incredibly loud and they get kicked out. It's one of those things where you're like, did they really get kicked out? Were those guys that yelled at them really actors or yeah, what? Did they really ruin a midnight premiere in Toronto. You're never really show. sure. And then it comes back to like the copyright things. Like how did they're showing the screen? They have like music from Star Wars. They have music from Daredevil. They have music from Jurassic Park. I think I read somewhere that they write an incredibly fine line with that stuff. Their lawyers have to do a lot of work to make that stuff happen. <laughs> Um, I just wish the show was more available, you know. Yeah, seriously. I don't know where it could be that w- would be a good fit for it, but luckily there's a great uh, Nirvana band show uh, Reddit community that helps me keep in the loop with things and with new episodes. Mm-hmm. Matt Johnson, that's yeah. a guy I feel like, I don't know if he ever will get any bigger, but he deserves to. <laughs> He's great. Uh, you said that's a good subreddit community, and some... That's pretty rare. Um, a lot of the time, online communities are pretty terrible. And one of the worst on Reddit has got to be the community dedicated to Rick and Morty. I mean, it got to the point this year that Dan Harmon had to, like, disown the fans publicly on Twitter. It's almost making me like the show less this season because of how shitty the fans were. Mm-hmm. Of course, the, the Szechuan sauce thing with them, Donald's having Szechuan sauce at some of their stores and people freaking out and over it you you have to admit though mcdonald's fucked that up they totally so fucked bad. it up they should have had it at every mcdonald's they should have had it for like a week not one day and then and like maybe like 50 mcdonald's across the country people went insane <laughs> it was a terrible i mean we live we live in a big uh, relatively big city like when you compare like the midwest or something literally one mcdonald's had szechuan sauce and i heard it was a fucking mess <laughs> but as for the show do you guys think Rick and Morty is still as good, or is it seeing a little bit of a downslope? Maybe? I don't know. I feel like it's gotten smarter, and as a result, it got a little less funny. But I'm willing to make that trade. Yeah, you know, I think one thing that's interesting about it is I feel like it's not as high concept. It's still high concept, but not as high concept. More of the episodes, I feel like, are based around the character relationships more than ever now mm-hmm. than the actual adventures they go on. So that's kind of interesting. But there were some episodes that... I really liked. I think Pickle Rick is such a breakout. Um, I don't know if that one's a good high concept episode or what, but it's just a great like action piece of action uh, storytelling. I also really liked the superhero one, which is funny because I know Dan Harmon really didn't like that one because it doesn't follow his strict like circle of storytelling. But I just thought the characters in that were so great. Uh, was like a, a million ants, <laughs> Alan Rails, and. That crocodile thing. <laughs> They're just funny characters. Yeah, I mean, you bring up the Pickle Rick episode, and that is, like, it's so funny because it's this over-the-top action episode. But also, like, 
Susan Sarandon's speech at that end of the episode about how like you can use your intellect to justify not being invested in things and how like the truth is like main maintenance and healthiness like isn't an adventure it's just work mm-hmm. like that shit was affecting to me like yeah, I think no, about that seriously. a lot and that's some TV therapist played by Susan Sarandon <laughs> um yeah I really liked Rick and Morty this year I don't think that I I think I liked every single episode that they mm-hmm. showed they definitely do a good job of paying a lot of attention to their subplots. Like they, they always have like an A plot and a B plot, like most shows. But I feel like they're usually both on par with each other. It's not like you feel like one's kind of like the table scraps or something. Mm-hmm. They, there's a lot of detail and attention put into this show, which I think keeps it going. I don't know how much longer. Or how, I know it takes a long time to do animated television. Yeah, it's probably another one that's probably not coming back till 2019, right? Yeah, yeah, whatever. So. Do you think you'll take that opportunity to finally go back and watch season one, Colin? I probably would. I've seen the pilot. Okay. Because I there was a point where I thought about going back and watching season one, and I just I don't know. Maybe it was just like I have so many other shows I could be watching. <laughs> I know where the Rick and Morty story is at at this point in time. Is it going to help me to watch the earlier episodes? Probably, but not enough for me to actually watch them. It's a good idea, Sean. I should do that. Yeah, I, I maybe I'd check those out again with you. I don't. I haven't rewatched a ton of Rick what, and Morty. What season had the evil Morty in the world of Rick and Morty's? I think that was the first time he appeared. I think at least was season one, right? Yeah. So there's there's something worth revisiting because you know, like that's kind of only very rarely, but like a recurring plot line that you know may add up to something at some point. Also, you gotta see the episode where they Cronenberg the planet. Oh, it's so gross. That was the first one I ever saw, and it, like, I was like, oh, I don't know if I like this show. <laughs> but I was, I, I don't know. I kept watching. first one I saw was the one where they uh, made that guy giant. Oh, the, the, the homeless guy? Yeah. Just like Santa, and they went inside of his body. That episode's also incredibly disgusting. <laughs> totally sold me on the show. <laughs> but um, can I sell you guys on Riverdale? I don't think so. I don't think it's going to happen. Thanks Maybe. for the segue, though. I don't know. <laughs> It's well, Riverdale. It's just like any of the any CW teen show. I'm not sure but it's why got murder. In it, it does right? have murder. I think I was I was drawn to it. Um, first off, the look of it is pretty cool. It's filmed really well. There's these a lot of neon lights. They're kind of going for like a noir or almost like this could be like Twin Peaks, like for like younger people. But it's not really <laughs> that high concept or that surreal. Mm-hmm. But it definitely like looks pretty and it has like the feel of almost like a detective show at times because. Every season is a is a mystery. First season was a, a popular football player gets murdered, and they're trying to figure out who. And I think another reason I liked it is I, I liked those, uh, those 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 characters in those stupid books you buy at the <laughs> at the store. Not that they're that similar to what they were, especially not Jughead, who's like all moody and like a loner, and he's just like I'm going to the John Landis Film Festival. That's actually like something he does <laughs> on my birthday at the drive-in. <laughs> But of course, he's my favorite character because of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's like working on like a a book about like the murders. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it's trashy, but that's what makes it like so fun. Is that it's just this trashy teen show, and the performances are good. Um, but yeah, like they're doing a new season. It's like twenty five episodes. I'm, it's gonna take like two years to get through all that. <laughs> but it's fun. The thing that turned me off the show might not even be true, so I should probably just ask you if that's the case. Okay. Um, I had heard that the comics had gotten to a point where like the 
the queer representation was really good. Like Jughead was ace now, and there were a bunch of other characters that were gay or bi, and that's just not the case on the show. Is that true? Um, I mean, it's it's got a lot of diversity, and Kevin Keller is in the show. Um, he's not like a major character. Um, but I feel like it's the thing is because it's not really like a a drama anymore. It's like it's like a mystery. It's more of about the plot than the characters or anything. So I feel like it's it's just kind of going for a different angle entirely. Because mm. you know, in those comics that people like recently, they were like character coming of age stories, and this is more of like we got to what the fuck's going on, guys? <laughs> Riverdale's fucked up. They're in a spinoff now of Sabrina. Yeah, you gonna watch that too? For sure, it's on Netflix. It stars Sally Draper. Oh, okay. She's, she was in a movie, right? Didn't she the Black movie? Coat's Daughter. Yeah. I, I saw part of it. I didn't finish it because I fell asleep. It was oh. really early in the morning. <laughs> seemed pretty interesting. It was an A24 movie. There you go. So her crew's taking off. I think that's on streaming. Also on streaming, Santa Clarita Diet, a show which I've never heard anyone talk about since. <laughs> okay, I always forget. Is this about cannibals or zombies? Or burritos. I <laughs> <laughs> feel like the Netflix art is always like a burrito with a hand coming out of it. Yeah. Does um, that happen? I don't remember. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> uh, well, the thing is, it technically is zombies, but she's not. she doesn't really exhibit any zombie-like traits aside from wanting to eat people. But that's the thing about the end of the first season is like, oh, she might be turning more primal, more like a zombie. Mm. So it's kind of both. But yeah, it's Drew Barrymore and Timothy Oliphant, and she somehow becomes afflicted with this mysterious disease and starts killing people, and she can't control it. And I think what makes the show so fun is them as a couple trying to figure out, oh, God, we got to hide this body. We can't let our kids find out. Of course they do find out. We got to hide it from our neighbors. The neighbor's a cop. It's just like the the, the, the <laughs> just plot. Just like the Americans. <laughs> the plot is really tight. It keeps, it keeps moving, but it's also funny. Really, the only problem is sometimes it's too funny. Like, it's too, it's like too silly, I mean. Yeah. Like, I remember there's one episode where I don't know if they're trying to, like, move a body or something, but Timothy Oliphant is, like, talking to his neighbor or something. He's like, he's trying to get him not to look somewhere. He's like, oh, look, hey, look, look, I'm dancing. Look at me, I'm dancing. It's like, no one would ever do that. It's so dumb. <laughs> but I, I love that it's, it's got this, this plot and there's, uh, it's quick moving and there's high stakes but I also really like the performances Drew Barrymore is really funny Timothy Oliphant I can't believe is so funny it's almost unfair because like he's so handsome and he's such a good dramatic actor he's he's hilarious on the show like he should have gotten some sort of nominations or something love him a lot of good uh, guest appearances Patton Oswalt Nathan Fillion Portia de Rossi Thomas Lennon oh from The Odd Couple yeah <laughs> just a fun show I think it is coming back probably pretty soon and I look forward to it because it kind of ended on a cliffhanger alright how about that so, yeah nobody's watching but maybe they should <laughs> alright so banding's done guys we've got to uh, eliminate some shows we're going to actually make this top 10 we've still got 18 on our list we did um, pre-eliminate some shows that were on our list so just quick shout outs to Game of Thrones Glow Review Samurai Jack uh, and the Toys That Made Us. Worst theme song ever. Oh. And for that reason, <laughs> not on our top ten. Nope. Um, so what can we cut? What's not making our overall this, top ten? A lot of the solo shows. Riverdale and Santa Clarita Diet. Okay. That's that's getting somewhere. Uh, what, uh, did I have one that was just me? 
anymore. I guess we can. Yeah. A catastrophe. I can take catastrophe off. Okay. BoJack Horseman was only on mine, I believe. I think Fargo was too. But those are both shows Sean watched and, and seemed liked. to like. Yeah. I think Honorable mentioned both of them. Yeah, okay. Um, but I guess I could cut though. I mean, the other one is Feud. Only you watched that. But, but it your was number my one. number one show. Oh, Mindhunter. You that cut was... Mindhunter? Sure. You guys are going to watch it. Okay. How high was it on your list? Doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. I think that puts us at fourteen. Really? <laughs> uh Black Mirror's only on mine. Okay, so if we do that, then I should probably take off the Americans. And um. <laughs> one of uh, Bojack and Fargo. Oh, Mrs. Maisel. Well, how high was that on your list? Uh, I don't know, like four. That's pretty high. Because Bojack and uh, Fargo were both like eight and nine for me, so I could get rid of. Well, how many do we need to cut? Two. Okay. Um. Also, The Handmaid's Tale only Colin watched. But that's like the show of the year. Earlier, when I was talking about movie mate, talk about the other show that's like the show of the year after Big Little Lies it seems like that is huh. you gotta have the handmaid's on the list right you gotta pay off that cliff I got through like 20 minutes of an episode <laughs> <laughs> um yeah okay. yeah I could get rid of Fargo and Bojack I guess that's fine so that's one two three four five six seven eight nine ten and then uh, I guess lower down should probably be Difficult People and Miss Maisel, because mm-hmm. those were both only on our list. Then I guess, I guess Feud. Who's <laughs> li- your number one? It was. I'd Rick like Mor- it higher. Oh, was Rick and Morty on your top ten? No, it wasn't. It wasn't on mine either. So I guess that should be lower down, actually. Okay. Well, what order do you guys... It should probably... Rick and Morty should probably be eight, and uh, I don't know, maybe like... Mrs. Maisel 9, Difficult People 10. That's fine. Okay. That gives us seven movies left to sort out. You mean TV shows? They're basically movies. I mean, they're so good at this point. I feel like we've all made the same mistake of saying movies and TV shows multiple times over the course of this podcast. I don't know why I'm the one who gets blamed. Because I actually noticed it this time. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure I did it. At least once or twice. Uh... Oh, yeah, I'm guessing next would probably be one of my shows. I guess Handmaid's Tale next, since only I watched it. Okay. And, and it wasn't like super high on my list. I think it was number six. And it's made our top ten. Yeah, like, that's good. Very prestigious. Mm-hmm. It got its prestige. <laughs> its prestige points. Um... How high up was Master of None on people's list? Mm. It was two. Mm. Three. It was a little lower for me. I think it was seven. I honestly don't remember where it was on mine. You can put it on next. Okay, let's just do that. Because um, I'm thinking... I really don't know what's going to be number one. Well, I'm I have an idea what it could be, but it's a weird one. No, I feel like it. 
I feel like I know what it should be for this okay. group. I definitely feel like the good place has gone as far as it can go, and maybe it should actually be in six, and Master of None should be five. Okay. It was high on my list. Was it? It was number two for me. Oh, actually. that's really high. Yeah. Put it at the five. Let's put it at five. 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 You have to do five. less five. spreadsheet work if you do that. Yep. <laughs> um, so now, okay, so your number one was Feud. My number one was Better Call Saul. That's right. John, your number one was Nirvana. Mm-hmm. So Nathan, for you, at, at four. That makes sense. My only worry about Nathan for you is not Nathan for you. Excuse me, Nirvana the band is like, is it really like that relevant to most people? Does that matter? <laughs> that doesn't matter because this is okay. just our favorite shows. Um, I, I think next would have to be Feud though, because only I watched it. That's true. The other two, be, the other two, <laughs> nice. two of us watched, and both of them include me. So, <laughs> I mean, I would put Better Call Saul over Nirvana the band the show. Do it. That's I was I, I knew from the minute we started this I was getting number one. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, so should I make Nirvana the band the show number one? <laughs> Just to throw off John's expectations. This Johnny sense. Yep. Well, we better wrap this up. Um, dogs are coming. The dogs in. are coming. The dogs are coming. So the mildly pleased top ten TV shows of 2017 are at number ten, Difficult People. At number nine, the marvelous, marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Three M words in a row. It's hard mm. to say. Number eight, Rick and Morty. Uh, number seven, The Handmaid's Tale. Number six, Master of None. Number five, The Good Place. Number four, Nathan for You. Uh, number three, Feud, Betty and Joan. Number two, Nirvana, The Band, The Show. And our number one show of 2017 was Better Call Saul. Um, if you want to hear us write about these shows, we've written about all of them. Uh, over at mildlyplease.com you can look up our uh, top 10 posts uh, you can also see our other top 10 lists which are available at this point and the, <laughs> the water is being drunk um, which is my cue to say check out mildlyplease.com and we'll speak to you next time oh,